So I, I tackled my, my sermon series, The Ugly Truth. Um, I've been tackled for a reason because the last few weeks I've been spending a lot of time in Matthew 18. And I want you to encourage you guys to, to go read Matthew 18. It's got all those things, you know, scriptures where two or three are gathered, you have to wait for the 99, you know, all of those things. It's, it's a long chapter. Um, and it's a chapter that I want to break up. But before I even get into Matthew 18, um, I think there's one thing that I've learned over the last few weeks, um, and it has really challenged me. In, in a, f- a friend of mine actually just mentioned something to me about this, this thing um, a few weeks ago, and it really challenged me. And it's, it, what is truth? What is truth? Because if you and I do not understand truth, if you don't understand what truth really is, how are we going to understand the Word of God? How are we going to understand each other? We, we live in a society where it's okay to tell a little white lie. Uh, we live in a society where we tend to exaggerate um, a lot of things that go on around us. We live in a society where, well, it's okay just to um, put it into my version of, of what really happened. And we also got to understand this morning that necessarily my truth is not Mike's truth. And Christian's truth is not really my truth. That we need to get to a place of understanding that how is it that you and I can seriously walk and be truthful people in the kingdom of God. Now there's a scripture we love using, and that's in John 8, John 8 verse 31. It says, um, you, uh, you shall know the truth, the truth shall set you free. And we quote that scripture all the time. The problem with that scripture is this, is that if you read the first bit, like we should in the scriptures, it says that if you abide in my words, and you are my disciple, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's, that's a whole different ballgame. That's a whole different ballgame from quoting, oh, you'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. So his believers are all dark, you know, Stephen, you know the truth, the truth will set you free. No, no, he says, if you abide in my word, what does abide mean? Abide means to dwell, to physically dwell and be found and consistently and persistently in the presence of God. That if you dwell there, he says, the result of dwelling in my presence, simple, that you become my disciple. Once you become my disciple, what does that mean? And we spoke about this morning in, in, in the thing. What does a Christian look like? What is a Christian? Very simple. They display the character of God. They display the character of Jesus. It's not a name. It's not a title. It's not some commitment you made. I can easily say to you that, you know what, I believe in Jesus Christ. He died on the, he's the son of God. He died on the cross of Calvary. Great. And, and that's my ticket to salvation. You know, my ticket to, to heaven. But how I act out is do I act like a Christian? It means do I display the character of Christ through me into the lives of other people? And that's quite a challenge. It's quite a challenge to live like a Christian because a lot of times we feel we've got to give up so much to be Christ-like. And so what we do is we can easily, with the old, this old saying it says, and we easily fake it to make it. We can easily fake our Christian walk. We can easily fake our marriages. We can like, fake relationships. We can fake friendships, whatever it might be. And it's important that when you and I get stuck into the Word of God, and when we get stuck into the things of God, and what God wants for you and me is this. Is there truth in your life? Are you living a truthful life? Now listen to me carefully. Because this is a massive subject. Because, you know, there's one of the things that he speaks about, the unpardonable sins almost there, those seven sins, you can never see the kingdom, and he said, lying's the first one. And how often do we see our lives 
as lies or avoiding it as lies. Well, how often do we say things and we just got a little twist on it, which means it's not really the truth, but it's basically the truth, which means it's not the truth. Now, this scares me. This scares me. Imagine if you were brutally honest, not just with yourself, but those around you. Look, I can't be a pastor. I've got to be nice. I say so that often I read Facebook and I'm like, yeah, I wish I could say something on Facebook right now. Or I wish I could plug. She tells me, no, but you can't because you're a pastor. <laughs> but imagine how difficult or how different life would be if we knew what truth really was. That you and I could really walk around and say, what I'm saying is truthful and is not a lie. The thing is this, the truth in, in the Oxford Dictionary says this, is, is the property of being, of being in accord with facts and reality. So it means that when we speak truth, what happens is it's got to be in accordance with facts and it's got to be in accordance with reality. Now you can understand something, that truth often offends us. Truth causes division. All right? If the truth can be the cause of us take account for our lives, or it can be the cause for us to justify, defend our behavior or someone else's behavior. You guys are quiet. I shouldn't have chosen the subject this morning. Because I've really been challenged in the last bit. Challenged in the fact of, is my truth really truth? And I'm not speaking about the word of God. I'm speaking about Kurt Sutton. I'm speaking about the fact that if you come to me, are we in that place where I can be brutally honest with you? Are you in a place with your wife or your husband or your kids where you can be brutally honest with them or do we sugarcoat things because we love them or because we don't want to offend them? And often I think because we sugarcoat so much, this is why we've got so much chaos in the world because you know that one lie leads to another lie, leads to another lie, leads to another lie. And then we get to a place where I've met people like this, that they lie so much that they actually believe their lies. And to them it's truth. To them it's absolute truth. But I want to say this to you, that truth is one of the greatest gifts that you and I can walk in. Listen to me. And I know it's not as simple as, oh, well, I'm going to be brutally honest with you right now. Or I'm not going to lie anymore. I, I'm not going to deceive you anymore. But how are you and I going to understand the word of God if we don't understand truth? Hear me Because you see, every one of us, truth we see from a different perspective. As a father, I will often justify the behavior of my child because I see that behavior as, well, he was just messing around. The next person will see my son's behavior as, as absolutely should never happen. You should, you should discipline. You should beat him. <coughs> and so we've got to come to a place in society or in our lives where truth matters. We've, we've, we, we live in a country where politicians haven't got a clue what truth is. I mean, they're so good at it, I don't even know what truth is anymore. But it's a very real thing that you and I need to look at and, and I try to understand in his word. 
You see, for often if we think about the, 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 the lives that we live and how we relate to our spouses, how we relate to our kids, how we relate to, to, to people around us, often the most critical thing that is first on our mind is this. We want them to like us. And so if we want people to like us or accept us, then know what we do? We can exaggerate sometimes. Or we can tell stories. Or there's an old thing that says people drop names, you know, because they feel so important. Well, I know Stephen Collinson. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? And somehow that, we believe that gives us some kind of a favor. But I want to challenge you this morning on truth in your life. Is the word of God truth in your life? Are you a truthful person? Or is there a lying spirit that is within you? Why do you lie? We need to ask ourselves these questions. Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I lie the way I lie? Why do I say what I say? And there can be a lot of reasons for why people do these kinds of things. But see, you also got to remember that truth is not always the truth. Except when it comes to understanding the Word of God. And if you and I want serious truth, we need to get into the Word of God. And when I speak about getting into the Word of God, I'm speaking about abiding in His Word. You see, the more of Him in me, the less of me in me. The less of the human nature in me. The less of, of what God wants to do in and through my lives. And we can handle, we can handle truth. We can do truth. But you've got to understand something, that truth can only really be spoken in relationship. So I can be blatantly honest with Chantal, and sometimes that's even difficult, because we are in a relationship, and so I know that she's not going to desert me because I'm going to tell her the truth, all right? And so one, it has to be in relationship. Two, it has to be in love. That whenever we speak the truth to people, some people can use the truth as a weapon. Some people can use the truth to destroy people. And if it's not done in love, what does love mean? That means that I'm telling you this because I believe that this truth will grow you as a person. And I want to be there for you. In relationship, in love, in correction, and in direction. And often we're able to speak the truth in people's lives because we're able to correct certain things in their life and, or we can give them direction in life. And it's important that you and I understand these things today because I don't believe that there are many in this room, I'm not even going to say nobody, there are many in this room that understand what it really is to be absolutely truthful. Even in my own life. I'm one that he likes to exaggerate every now and again. I'm the one that will sugarcoat things for you to make you feel better about yourself or about the situation. And yet the word of God said, let our yes be yes and our no be no. And now often we get offended by people that speak the truth. Even if they're 100% right, I still get offended. And I still feel attacked. And, and, and you know what, she'll tell them quote the word of God to me. And I'll still get offended because she feels like she's attacking me. And often it's not what she says, it's where I find myself. Because if I'm insecure, that if I know that I've done something wrong, that if I lied or I cheated or I did something and she calls me out on it, all of a sudden I can go, oh, well, you're just trying to be aggressive or, you know what, you're just trying to be argumentative. 
This is why the Word of God says that when, listen to me, that's why the Word of God says, the truth shall set you free. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully. I challenge you this week, be honest and truthful about something and see how better you feel about it. You know, you can, you can be, you could have had an affair. Let's use it, that one. But your wife only knows 25% of the story. You know what the lie, the other 75% that you haven't told it does? It keeps her in bondage and it keeps you in bondage. The truth will not set you free if it's only 25% of the truth. The whole truth, that's what we say in our wedding vows. Remember, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, in our, in our, in our oath. But so help me God. And I know this is a difficult subject, but I'm looking at myself right now. And I'm asking myself these questions. Because often I walk away and I say, I wish I could have said something. I wish I could have said something. Maybe I should have said something. No, but I can't say something, shame. They're such a lovely couple. But we don't understand that by them being a lovely couple, you're not going to set them free. And why I'm speaking on the subject today is because I believe that 99% of us live a lie. Lie, 99% of us in this room don't understand the truth of life. We can't be honest with each other because we're scared we offend. We can't say what we want to say because of that person's state of mind. Or, you know, we don't tell them the truth because it's going to hurt them. And how many of us are really living the truth? How's your business doing? Oh, praise God. And in your mind, you're going, I've only got to overdraft the 1.2 million. Because we've got this facade that we've got to make everyone believe that we're okay and we're cool. And we're good business people. And we're good fathers. And we're good mothers. And we're good boyfriends. And we're good girlfriends, you know? We're this great stuff. But the thing is, it never sets us free. And the problem is, if you don't understand the truth or you don't speak the truth, the truth cannot get out there and the truth cannot take life or cannot take form because it stays a lie. That which is in darkness will be exposed. But until it's exposed, it's still in darkness. And I've seen this with our kids. I brought up a boy. Believe me, anybody that's brought up a boy understands what I'm talking about. But we can justify their behavior even though we know it's 155% wrong. Even though we know we need to say something. And the problem is, when we don't say something, there's a consequence to that. The saddest thing is I watch far too many Christians try and justify the fact that they are believers, that they are good men and good women, that they are people of the truth. You see, I believe that whatever's on the table, you can work with. Whatever's not on the table, we can't work with. Now, I don't want you to all go home and confess all your sins to your spouses, and then tomorrow morning I've got a queue down the driveway for counseling, yeah? Start a hoodie clipper, okay? We eat elephant one bite at a time. One bite at a time. You see, but it's not about confessing to others what you've done. It's about being honest with yourself of who you really are. Who is Kurt Sutton really? Who's Fernando really? Who's Jason? Who's this on really? When nobody's looking, when nobody's around, when it's just you by yourself, 
Who are you really? What makes you happy? What makes you glad? What makes you sad? You know, what brings you joy? But we find we live in a society where we lie and we lie and we lie and we lie and we make up stories and we make up stories and we don't tell people what's happening in our lives. And all of a sudden, the poor boy hits the fan and we expect the other person to understand where we're coming from. Does that make sense? Like we created a storm in the teacup, but we don't want them to take us on about it. And it's a very real thing. It's a very real thing when we speak about these things. Because I promise you that if you could live truth in your life, if you can be absolutely honest, not just with who you are, but with those that love you and those that are around you, your life will be different. You see, the problem with truth is this. There's a few failures or shortfalls in truth that often we mess up. It is this, that our truth, there's a few things. One, the situation. We always want to discuss things in the midst of a storm. There's old saying it said to, I used to say to my kids, wait till I'm in a good mood, then I'm going to discipline you. Because they always say to us, don't discipline your kids out of anger. But it's a real thing. That you cannot get into an argument with your kids about something when they're in the midst of a storm. What does the situation look like for you to be truthful? What does the timing look like for you to be truthful? Very important. Timing is everything. And thirdly, you know, what is the circumstances that you find yourself in? And that's great to be truthful to others, but I, I want to focus more on you being truthful to yourself today. Because I'm going to say some ugly truths in the next few weeks. You might want to skip the next five weeks. But I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says about things and how we misinterpret these things. And how we just, we just like, what is it? We just skim over it at the end of the day. We just skim over what it is that God wants to say to us and through us. Now I want you to turn this morning to Matthew 18. And I'm just going to use the first few verses this morning and I've broken up a couple of sermons. Um, and, and I want to share with you and I want you to spend the next few weeks reading Matthew 18. It's got all the coolest stuff in it. But it's always got stuff in it that somehow we misinterpret. Some things that we wish just don't understand at the end of the day. And so I'm going to read Matthew 18 to you this morning. And, uh, and uh, I'm going to just touch on a few things. I'm just going to read the first few chapters. Sorry, let me just find my marker. So Matthew 18 starts like this. Ah, should have broken your page around. About this time, so we've got to understand something now. They just paid their temple acts, and Jesus just healed the boy, and all these kinds of things. Now the disciples are all sitting around, and as human nature would have it, this is where the truth comes in. All the disciples sitting around Jesus, and, and we've seen signs, wonders, and miracles take place with these guys. They've seen the boy being raised to death. They've seen, you know, the most incredible things that have happened around them. And yet they're sitting with Jesus. Now just for a moment, just bear with me. Because if I was sitting with the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God, and I'd seen Lazarus walk out of a tomb, and I'd seen the young girl raised from the dead, and I'd see a young boy that fell into a fire, and all of a sudden he's up, and all of a sudden I see these great things happen, the woman with the issue of blood, every, I see all this kind of stuff. And these disciples sitting around there, I would probably want to sit there and ask Jesus, like, so tell me about this. But the thing that the disciples are most concerned about 
And this is our human nature. And they asked him, who will be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Lord, out of us 12, who's going to be the greatest? Like Peter, Poppy, Pop, some said, like, I'm the best fisherman by far. But, and then Judas might say, yeah, but you got angry. He said, yeah, but you're stealing. It sounds ridiculous, but we have these arguments. We have these arguments in life where we are running after the title and not the function. We're running after the title and not the person. And we quickly want to be an elder in the church or want to be a deacon in the church or want to be a worship leader in the church, but we don't even know Jesus. We just want the title. That somehow the title is going to justify who we are as a believer. Have you been saved? Yes, well, I've been leading worship for five years. No, no. Are you saved? Do you love Jesus all your heart? Are you reflecting the nature of him? Are you singing from a place of worship? Are you coming out of your prayer room onto the stage and worshiping God? Let's ask those hard questions. Well, you know, I don't need to be a Christian to go to church. No, you need to go to church to be a Christian. This is where you get fed. This is where you have fellowship. This is where you're able to bring your tithes and offerings that God can bless you exceedingly abundantly more than you can ever imagine. This is the time where we get to nature. This is where family happens. If there wasn't a need for church, there wouldn't be a need for heaven. My favorite one was, yeah, I'm not really a Christian, but I believe in God. You know, mom is not really a disco. It's like a, a disco disco. You know, it's not really a bar, mom. It's more like a, like, like a bar. Who remembers? It, it wasn't like a drink. It was, it was like a shooter, you know. <laughs> We, we've all been there. We all got these little things that we just, we tweak. And it just sounds so much better once we tweak it. So these guys are sitting around Jesus and all they're interested in is like, so, who's it going to be, Lord? You choose someone, one of us. I often think we lose the plot just there. When we think that title precedes relationship. Where we think that because you're my wife, I'm entitled to abuse you. I'm entitled to lie to you. I'm entitled to tell you untruths. Because you know we've been married 33 years. And sometimes I think we've got to get out of the thing of so asking God who's the greatest. And some just make some time and effort to be a greatest. But he carries on in the grand kingdom, and Jesus calls over a child. And made the child stand near them. And he said to them, and when he speaks about a child in the Jewish, in the Jewish or the Greek, it actually means a toddler. So he brings over a little Malachi. Where's, where's Malachi? Yeah. He brings over a little toddler. And he puts them in the middle of the room. All right? And he says to them, I promise you this. Listen to this. I promise you this. I'm reading out the NIV, okay? I promise you this, he says to them. He says, if you do not change and become like a child, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. You want the ugly truth? You don't want the ugly truth? What's he saying there? You got pride in your life, you never go to heaven. It's not, it's not me, that, don't look at me like that. The word of God says it. The word, we, we brush over that. Oh, let's become like a child. 
You never enter the kingdom. No, no, listen to me. Listen to me. If you do not become like a child, you will never. I don't care how much money you've got. I don't care how many times you read the Bible. I don't care how many times you go to church. Or how many home cells you planted. How many churches you planted. The word of God says this. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And you might be good. Where's God's grace? The grace is there. He's warning you. That's His grace. He's warning you. Don't you dare to go up nobody told me. Pastor Kerr told you. <laughs> I'm telling you now. Alright? The word actually carries on. I think it's uh, with, uh, with a Greek word or something where it speaks about to become almost like an injured man. Know what that means? It means that you become so dependent on God that you're even unable to do things to yourself. Let's think about a toddler. Let's think about a toddler. You love a toddler, but I tell you something, there's times you've got to discipline a toddler. Sometimes you've got to correct them. But at the end of the day, you love them. You know what the greatest thing about a toddler is? Is that they would take in and they sponge everything you say to them. I've heard toddlers say the most profound words because they heard from mom and dad. They just think, drop the mic. What? <laughs> Why? They soaked up everything around us. I've said this before. No. <clears throat> I didn't get told my kids to argue like me or to walk like me, but they do. They walk like me, they argue like me. No, they argue like their mother, though. They walk like me. <laughs> but we never sat down and said, well, Josh, Jess, this is how you handle arguments, and this is how you handle this, and this is how you walk in the upmarket, and this. They learned it from spending time with us. And the same thing with God. That we will learn these ways when we spend time, when we abide in the Word. And when we abide in the Word, what happens? He says, you become my disciples. And then you will know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Now that's quite a hectic statement. To say that not one of you would even enter the kingdom of heaven unless you become childlike. Now listen, there's a big difference between childlike and being childish. Have you... Oh, I nearly said teenager, but I'm also in front of you. Um, <laughs> but we've met adults that are childish. We have met adults that have good for tact. We have adults that, that will be spiteful. We have adults that will hide things away from you because they don't like you. Or that will lie about you because they don't like you. And he says to this word, he says, you have to become childlike. You have to see the promise of God. He says, I promise you this, he says, if you do this study, if you don't change and become like a child, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. But if you are as humble as this child, you are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And when you welcome one of these children because of me, you welcome me. That's a massive statement. That he says, not only do you become childlike, but what he's saying is your nature will breed other childlike people. And when you breed other childlike people like you, he says that when you welcome those people into your home, it's like welcoming, welcoming me into your life, into your home. You see, we miss the fact of what we're really doing on earth. You see, some of us think we just have to survive. And now we have to get married, and yeah, we have to have kids, and yeah, we have to have a business, and yeah, we ought to get rich, and yeah, we ought to have the next car. 
when the word of God clearly says that the only reason why we have to be ambassadors for the kingdom to represent his kingdom and to represent his kingdom well if you want to put it a nice way we're basically reps of heaven have you ever met a rep any reps no offense but they will promise you the world just make sure that you buy their product and often I think we've missed that because are we truly populating heaven are we really taking anybody with us at the end of the day have we so lived a life of truth in us that people want to be like us because we like Christ do people come up to you and say I really want what you've got I want the joy that you have I want the excitement in your life I want that ability to forgive that you have towards others I want that you see but we're only going to find that when you and I become truthful to ourselves you see there's two rights that make a wrong just because it's two truths doesn't mean that the wrong is right and we've got to get to that place in our lives that if we truly want to understand that Jesus said this is the truth, the truth will set you free. The truth is this, that if you do not change, the word of God says, I promise you, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And that might be a hectic word for this morning, or you might think I'm condemning. I'm not. I just want to make sure that we're all together one day. That's the only job I've got. The only job I've got as a pastor to make sure that we all get there together. And we get there with a lot of other people with us. And I can sit there, I can lie to you, I can tell you about God's grace, and I can tell you that you can go sin, and God has forgiven you, and moved your sins as far as from the east to the west. Let me tell you something, that every action has a consequence in our lives, be it good or bad. Everything that comes out of our mouth has a result, good or bad. It's either love, or it's criticism, or it's direction, or whatever it might be. Everything that comes out of our mouths has a result. You know the scariest part, and I'm going to give you five minutes, but the scariest part is not that line. The scariest part is the next line, where it says this, and it will be terrible. Again, not me saying it, God saying it. He said, it is going to be terrible for people who cause even one of my little followers to sin or to be led astray. Have another day. Have another day, one more. It'll be terrible if you are the cause of anybody not coming to the kingdom of God. It's going to be terrible if you're the cause why people don't want to come to church or don't want to read the word of God or don't want to pray anymore. The word of God will be terrible for you when these things start to happen. Where people are walking away from their faith because of things that you said and done in your life. <clears throat> now, now we can just stop there. <laughs> because I can feel the pain already from you. <laughs> but I'm being serious. I'm, this year I wrote this sermon. You know, it's like you beat yourself with that book every 10 minutes. Because I tell you, I've messed up more than most people have been sitting in this room. 
Because honestly, you know, just keep coming like a child in the kingdom. If you got about not entering the kingdom, it would be a terrible punishment. I just skip over those verses and I go to the next one. Oh, he left 99 for the way. And he said, no, 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 wait, wait a minute. You're skipping stuff here. And maybe you're in a terrible place right now. Because maybe you're the cause of a lot that's happening around you. Maybe you're the cause. Of why your wife is drinking the way she is. Or your kids don't want to speak to you. Or your friends have left you, or whatever it might be. And I had to genuinely take a serious look at myself these last few weeks. I mean, I've gone to the sermon with a staff for about two, three weeks ago. I've been terrified to preach this thing. You know why? Because you know what happens when you start to write sermons? You first got to look at yourself in the mirror. And you first got to say, good, where are you? How much gossip are you involved in? How much do you say about people behind their backs? How much truth is to what you're saying? What are you saying about other people's marriages? Or what are you doing about other people that are in hard times? I have to really look at myself. How much truth is in my life? Do I speak the truth? Do I love Chantal enough to tell her the truth? Do I love, you know, Jason enough to tell him the truth in our relationship? Or are you marry your Christian? Do we love each other enough that I can be honest with him? And say, guys, what you're doing is not right. Or they pick up an offense with me. You see, but if people know you, and they know your God, they will trust you for direction. They will trust you for correction. But don't go give me a course on marriage and then go beat your wife up 10 minutes after you left the church. It's going to be a long five weeks. My goodness. We only got to verse two. I really want you to come and hear what I've got to say. Listen to me, guys. I'm not being nasty. I'm not being condemning. I'm not being critical. I'm not taking away all your fun. But I want you to hear the truth. I want you to read the scriptures. Not I benefit you. You've got to read the scriptures in a way that it benefits him. You see, because when you read the scriptures in the way that it benefits him, change comes to us. When we read scriptures because we want to benefit us, because we want to be the greatest sitting in the circle, for him, that's the wrong thing to do. And I really trust that you guys have heard what I've had to say to you this morning. I'm not saying don't confess all your sins. I'm just saying, let us try and be as honest as possible from now on. Let's try and be as truthful as possible from now on. So Donald says to me, if you've got nothing good to say, don't say it. That doesn't really work. <laughs> but I want you to take an account of your life of the next few days. You see, I cannot blame my parents for who I am today. It's my life. When I turned 18, they gave me the feeling to become exactly who I wanted to become. I cannot blame the wife or the ex-wife or whatever for what I've walked through. Because again, it is always my choice in what I journey. And it's my choice in what I hold on to and what I let go of. And let me tell you something, and I'll say this prophetically this morning for many of you. 
It's time to let go of a lot of the things that hold you back and cause you to sin in life. Amen. It's time to let go. It's time to let go of that hurt that you got when you were 13 years old or when you were 10 years old or when you were 37 years old. I don't know. It's time to move forward. It's time to move into the things that God has for you. But we want to move in with honesty. We want to move in with integrity. We want to move in with trust. We want to move in with love. And we want to read the Word of God the way we need to read the Word of God. Because let me tell you something, that when you get up there one day, it's either the sheep or the goats. There's no explanation. There's no TV screen that's going to show all your sins. There's no thing that you're going to have five minutes to explain yourself to God. The decision you need for heaven is already had to be made on earth. When you pop up in front of those gates, it's already too late. Amen. And it happens like this. And I want to encourage you, get into the Word of God. I'm going back to John 8. Get into the Word of God. Listen to me. If it's go read whatever, I don't, doesn't matter what version you read, I'm not interested in what version you read, go read the Word. The Word of God says a very simple thing. It says, my Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you've got a journey that you need to journey, let me tell you something, there's not a candle you need, you need this book under your arm. And then you won't feel so bad when I tell you that terrible times are coming because you caused someone to sin. You know why? Because you and I have stepped beyond that. And so I want to say this to you. No, I'm not going to say that to you. I'll keep that. I've punished you guys enough. No, I'm joking. But I want you guys to hear me this morning, church. Hear me here. Your life is your life. Your decisions is your decisions. But there are times we need to make decisions at the best in our interest, and sometimes there's times we need to make decisions at the best interest of others around us. You are loved. The Word of God says that you are wonderfully and fearfully made. Genesis says that he said, let's make man in our image and in our likeness. The only reason that you go through so much turmoil inside of you most of the time is simply because of this. Whatever's going on inside of you is disagreeing with the Spirit of God that is on the inside of you. You see, there's this holy clash that takes place. And yes, good, we know we're going to do things and we're going to quit certain stuff and we're going to give up certain stuff and we're going to change certain things. Yes, I hear all of that. But I don't want you to give up or change anything until you find you. Because you can give up all the stuff. It all comes back because you're still going to be empty. I want to trust God that He will make you whole. That you will walk in the fullness that He has for you. That you will become truthful, not to others this week, but this week that you'll become truthful to yourself and to God. <clears throat> I always love these, these old movies. They've got these, these little confessional booths in the Catholic Church, remember? And they put all the poor priests on the other side, what they got up to. And I think often we like that with God, we tell God all these things that we did. He's like, yeah, no, I've been around, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, no, I've been there, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. And we tend to hammer ourselves instead of seeing the greatness of God and who He is and how much He loves us and how much He wants for us. And sometimes we need to become like a little father, sometimes like this. They're still trying to discover boundaries, still trying to discover what she can say, what she can't say. Still trying to discover where she can go, where she can't go. Who must she love and who doesn't she love? Who does she trust? Who doesn't she trust? And God says that's where we need to be, there. 
They will go all over again. Who do we trust? Who do we love? Where do we go? Where are our boundaries? What is it we need to do? And God says, when you take away all the confusion of this world and you toss it out the window and you allow Him just to be Him in your life, things start to change. And you start to change. And you know what happens when you start to change? The people around you start to change. Amen? Can we stand and we're going to close in prayer? Don't worry, dear Lord, we're going to... we just close. I was to say shoot to the lights, but that's not going to work. Don't hurt yourself on the way out, please. If you hear this morning, and maybe you're the one that needs to take the next step, maybe you've been the one that has just been hibernating on the couch and waiting for God to do great things in your life, or hibernating on the couch and expecting God to do great things in your kid's life, or whatever it might be. I'm going to repeat these words, abide in me, and then you will be my disciple. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I pray this week that you be set free in every area of your life. I pray that whatever lies you've spoken over you, I break that in Jesus' name. Every lie that you've spoken, I pray that God would forgive you, and that you'd forgive yourself this morning. But let truth be your life this morning. Let truth be the thing that you wear. And let, it be, let the truth come out of the Word of God this morning. And Father, I thank you for this time. It's just so good to be in your presence, so good to be able just to share your word. It's been so good over the last few weeks, Father, just to break this down and just realize that there's so much more that you say, more than the superficial things that we just want to believe. And I pray, Father, this week that every one of us might read these scriptures through the eye of the toddler. Not out of an educated man with a degree in theology or whatever. May we read them as childlike. May what you say, may we take it to heart. As we take it to heart, may we add it to our lives and start to see change. And if you need prayer for anything this morning, be it sickness, be it disease, be it finances, be it marriage, be it relationships, be it that next move, you know, we really want to be here and pray for you this morning. So don't walk out of here feeling condemned this morning. You've got to walk out of this place feeling loved this morning. And so, Father, Holy Spirit, may you come. And may you rest upon us. And may we enjoy the rest of the day. And may we enjoy the rest of the weekend, Father. And the